I'm not surprised. <laughs> I keep saying, man, I don't throw in hope. I aim and fire. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f he wants. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh, H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the Welcome back to another edition of The Casuals. I'm your host, Aiden LaCroix, joined alongside, as always, by anonymous Tony Ferguson fan. It's officially Conor McGregor fight week. I didn't expect to start the show with anything but nonstop Conor talk, but Max Holloway uh, delivered maybe the greatest sporting performance I've ever seen. And that kind of sounds crazy, but it is up there in all-time sports performances that I've seen. Um, an epic performance. I have not heard the all-time sports performance tape. Definitely the best performance I've seen out of a UFC. Oh, player. no doubt. But, like, I, that level of dominance and the records that he set, it's like the equivalent in, like, basketball is if, if one player set the record for most points scored and that eclipsed the, mo- the record for most points scored by one team. Right, like I think that's the only comparison. Like that's the kind of records you set with like significant strength, and like the yeah. the fifth round talking to them while fainting and, and still throwing and just like literally staring down Dana and the commentary team and just Cater's a good fighter, and he looked so outclassed. It was generally one of the most like stunning performances I've ever seen. I mean. The fact that it was so dominant, everyone agrees it was unbelievably dominant, and he didn't even knock Cater down. That's how, that's how good it was. He was just surgical. It looked like Max was seeing things in slow motion, the way he was just land- – everything he threw, it felt like he landed. Dude, he was throwing, like, multiple combinations. Like, he was hit – for every time Qatar hit Max, I feel like Max hit him, like, 15 times. It was and- absurd. It's like Qatar would hit Max, and then I'd be like, all right, now it's Max's turn. Like, I was never worried about, about Qatar actually doing any damage. It was, I've never seen anything like that. And we both like Qatar. And that was, there was a few times where I was like, oh my God, like he's just taking an ungodly amount of damage right now. I forget which round it was, but there was a round where he was hitting him with like a flurry of elbows. Yeah. Dude. And I was, I was like, I was like, Oh, my God. That wasn't just one round. That happened at multiple points, like, from the third round on, where he was just fucking elbowing Qatar to, like, endlessly. Just endless like it was on elbows. ABC, network television. They, they should have, like, put a warning when he was throwing those elbows. Oh, warning. God, dude. And You're under the age of 13. You should have parental guidance. I don't, this. All props to him. How did Cater not fall once? He didn't get dropped. It's unhealthy. I am genuinely worried for Calvin, like, Cater's future. Me too. He needs to take a year off. You said it. Like, like, look what happened. Like, we thought the Ortega beating was bad for Max. This was worse. And Ortega, now granted, he took a year off because he also had the ACL, but, like, the year and a half off really seemed like it helped him. Like, that's what Cater needs. Like, Cater should not be – I don't want to see him as a Calvin Cater fan for the, until 2022. I, I mean, I totally agree. And the amount of body shots he took and the amount of damage he took to his head – I mean, just ridiculous amount of damage. And did you read the the, the big article that like kind of took MMA? I guess for some, it was on MMAfighting.com, and it was about Spencer Fisher, former uh, UFC fighter, 
and like essentially the CTE and the brain issues that he's had. And I mean, if we're gonna go like to down this road, it has like it's obviously with football been massive topic, and Dana was finally kind of addressed it because Dana and Dana's right for the long time. It's always like we're the safest sport, never at a death. But he said that I'm pretty sure the quote was like brain damage is like part of the deal. Like that's what you sign up for. And that that was the first fight post me reading that article. And like, even though you knew it in the back of your head, you were never really confronted with it. But for me personally, reading that article, I believe a couple of days prior and then seeing that it just makes you like cringe with like, you knowing mm-hmm. there's going to be effects of multiple beatings like that. And like, I, I think the thing is like the fighters, like Dana, he could have made it sound nicer, but they, at the end of the day, they know like, yeah, no, no, no. I it's a lot safer to, uh, to do pretty much any other job in the world. But I mean, these guys get paid well. And I mean, you look, when you sign the dotted line to fight Max Holloway, you know, your head's going to get hit. Yeah. See, but that's where I think my issue with it is like, do they get paid well though? Like if you're on the undercard, like, are you like some people are getting paid $20,000. And like, I I think that's where it's hard to, I guess it's also, I agree with you because I don't think, I guess my point is, and people were like saying Herb did a bad job. Like Herb did, like Qatar was fighting back, which is the most impressive part. It wasn't one-sided. Like, and like Qatar was still throwing and showing enough movement. He was just, Max was just picking him apart. So I don't think Herb was bad topic. I just wish, and so like, oh, it's soft. I just wish corners, there was a more acceptable, like, part of, like, the MMA world that, like, a corner throwing the towel isn't a big deal. Because that fight yeah. could have been called by the corner from, like, the third round on. But there's just such a stigma around it. Like, that fight should not have been stopped by the ref. And that's my point. is Because Cater K- was fighting, but the corner, I think, should have stopped it, especially after the fourth. There was no point for Cater to keep taking damage. I mean, the way I see it is, like, the entire fight, I was thinking this could get stopped in 30 seconds, but I was never thinking this is about to get stopped. Like, he needs to stop this. It always seemed like Max was on the verge, but it never got to a point where I was like, damn, Herb Dean should stop the fight. Yeah, no, agree. I agree that the the smart thing to do would have been for the corner to call it, but... At the end of the day, I mean, Anthony Smith, after the Glover Teixeira fight, was like, if my corner threw the towel, I would, I would, I would never train with him again. Yeah, it's same with like Deontay Wilder when in his fight with Tyson Fury, when his coaches threw in the towel because he was getting destroyed, uh, he fired them, even though they made the right call. Like if Anthony Smith that fight corner threw in the towel, it would have been the right call. But there's just such mm-hmm. a stigma. I think it's just harder. Even though I feel like it was always not in the back of your head, you've never really been confronted with it so heavy in MMA because it's a very, it's still young, but just like the brain issues and the cognitive issues, I feel like are very kept under wraps, to be completely honest. I mean, like, yeah, the thing was, like, once you saw, like, Max was talking the shit to DC and uh, Anik, and he wasn't even looking, and Qatar was throwing, and Max was unbothered, that's when it's like, man, our guy really does have no chance. Like, yeah. he's, he doesn't care if he hits him in the nose. That was, that was, that was like, I'm on ABC. I'm putting on a show. That was when he started not even looking and he like got hit, touched up a couple of times by Calvin and just had nothing happened. I was like, holy shit. When you go back and you watch Max like scream, I'm the best boxer in the UFC. He looked, he sounds possessed. 
Yeah. He's like the nicest guy in the UFC. He sounds angry. It was interesting though, because I was actually going to bring up the whole like brain issue stuff on this pod before the fight. Cause like Max leads the UFC in like significant strikes absorbed, like in his career. And he's only 29. And he's already and he had concussions. And significant strikes given, too. Well, yeah, that's, but that's not like a brain thing. I'm just talking about like he has a lot of fighting left, and he's going to only take more. And he's already dealt with concussions. That, the whole reason the Khabib fight back years ago never happened is because he had to draw because of his concussions. Like he was having concussion-like symptoms. So I was going to bring it up with like I thought it would be a closer fight. And I'm like, does it, like and it was, my, my segment would have been like reading that article. It's rough knowing how much Max has taken. But he just gave me a different avenue to do it. I'm a, I'm a Calvin Cater fan, like a big one. Um, but like, I also like Max. So it wasn't like a loss that like killed me. I was rooting for Calvin, but quickly, I feel like my, not allegiance shifted. Like you realize you were seeing greatness, mm-hmm. but like as a Calvin Cater fan, it just, there just seems like tears in that division. You know what I mean? And I think Holloway, Volkanovsky and Ortega, I think are just a, a clear tier above everyone. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as a cater, I was obviously rooting for Max. As a cater guy, how long into the fight until you realize my guy has no shot? Uh, probably like the, the, the second when he really started. Like the first was like, okay, like Max took that one. I mean, the second was a 10-8 and kind of there he was wobbled. And that was kind of the point where I'm like, okay, this could be over in like 20 seconds. Like that, there's just like from that late kind of late second on it was just a continue like okay if this kind of keeps on happening herb's gonna end it and then calvin would just do just enough to not it, it again i don't knock calvin it just he looked just outclassed like it looks like the tier like i think calvin is a really good fighter and he still like has time left in the UFC and he's gonna be a legit guy at featherweight i just think max is crazy good and it also makes me like a little more respect for Volkanovsky mm-hmm. because like he's boring. I think to be completely honest, like people think he's a boring fighter. He doesn't really bring any trash talk. It just kind of is what it is. Max is the clear draw in that division. And even Ortega's a lot more interesting with his random, but like folks, it makes you kind of realize how good I think Volkanovsky is. Cause especially that even though the second fight was close, like look how much better Max is than like the second or third tier in this division. Like I think Volk's um, overall game, I think I I maybe appreciate that a little more, but I mean, I want to see the trilogy now. I think Max is locked in for that title fight of the winner of Ortega Volk. So. And I was saying it on the, uh, the UFC preview. I wanted, I wanted the trilogy from jump. Yeah. I mean, I think the craziest Max, Max Holloway status He's fought 24 times in the UFC, and he's never been knocked out. Yeah, dude. This, this, I mean, just look at the stats. He, his significant strikes that he gave out in that fight would have set the record for most significant strikes combined in any UFC fight. The sheer absurdity of that statistic. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not – I don't I, – I thought about it if I wanted to see. Like, that's genuinely one of the greatest sporting performances that I've seen. Yeah. Like LeBron's, I don't know if it's the greatest. I, I, I think I said that it's not the greatest, but of sports events that I've watched live, that is one of the most unreal performances by an athlete I've ever seen. Totally I mean, agree. Le, I'm trying to like other people, like some LeBron ones come to mind. 
um, some maybe even like a couple of Steph ones, but like that Max Holloway fight is, I think, with like the greatest performance in UFC history, and I don't think it's close. I like. It's, it's, I totally agree. It's not close. Like before, like Connor against Alvarez, up there. But the way Max di- did what he did for five rounds, absurdity. Like what was our our performance of the year? And when we gave out our awards, was Gaethje against Tony? Yeah. It like compared the performance of the year. We're one card in. The performance of the year decided. Locked up. There is. There is. I don't think there is anything that could top it. I really don't. No. There, I don't think there's anything you would need. You need to. I mean, do maybe what, like maybe it's someone pulling a masterclass against Khabib and beating him. But that's you, you need to do what Max did. I think for like four rounds, and then the absurd knockout in the fifth. That's only only chances like to do what he did, and then the knockout on top of it. Um, four hundred forty-five strikes. I mean, dude, it was absurd. I I think. It, this like the performance was even made greater by the as we talked about like, the talking and the yelling and like the possession almost that like made it an all like just like that was the moment from the fight. So I have friends who I'm like trying to get into the UFC. Hard to do. Hard to hard to I'm, get. I'm telling them like, that's not normal. That's the biggest. That's the biggest ass whooping ever. Yeah. Then they're like, wow, the other guy must be a huge bitch. I'm like, no, he's an un- he's unreal for not getting knocked out. But as a segue into the Connor, I'm like, you realize that Poirier pieced this guy up. Dustin Poirier, last two years ago, 2019, pieced this guy up a little bit. I think this Max is a different fighter. Me too, 100%. Like the whole thing, how he's not using, uh, like he's not sparring anymore. And he just, they kept on saying the Broncos, he just looks so loose. But yeah, I mean, no, dude, we talked about it. The fucking Vegas lines for this Connor Poirier fight are absolute it's so bullshit. It's because so because because everyone bets on just Connor. Like even people have no idea. So Vegas needs to make the line so that it's just like a, it's not an actual line. I guess if that makes sense. No, it because it opened at like one minus one sixteen. It's just skyrocketed because of Connor. It's like trying to protect themselves a little bit. It's like, dynamics of vegas it's really interesting like if you the best example for me was the presidential election mm-hmm. everyone knew what was going to happen and the person was trump was going to look like he was crushing early because the mail imbalance but because so many people had money on biden no 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 pe- people had people had so much money on trump mm-hmm. as an underdog going into that so when trump went up super early Vegas, not because it was a re- actual line, they made like the Trump line go like minus 400, 500, 700, 800 because they had, there was so much money on Trump. So they had to essentially get people to stop betting on him. That, yeah. that, that's not like, there's no direct connection in a way, but that's what I mean when like Vegas, the lines I don't think are sometimes always truly accurate for like the actual result in big events like this. They're more just trying to shift it so that. Yeah, can, I mean, like, get the profit. Like, just think about plus it. Plus two twenty right now. There's the mega casuals, more way more casual than us, who are ordering this fight on Saturday, and they might want to put money on it. No way they're gonna be with their boys and they're gonna put money on Poirier. That's just not gonna happen. They know everyone's gonna bet on McGregor regardless of what price he is. So just 
list him or whatever, and people Bro. are gonna bet on him. Plus two twenty. I mean, it's it's he's a bigger favorite than he was against Cowboy. Dustin is, yeah, in my opinion, on a different level than Cowboy. Oh, absolute different level. I, I think the whole point why this the line was so low with Cowboy was because I think there was a legend like we haven't seen him in at that point like over like a year and a couple of months. He's fought once in four years. Didn't look great against Khabib. Like, and and that point, Cowboy had a couple losses, but like Cowboy was still fighting top tier. So it was just kind of a matter of. I think that line, I at least I understood like why it wasn't outrageous because it was in hindsight it's easier to say. But like, I I thought it was a fair line. This line, I like this dude. I think I'm also being a Connor fan when like, and I'm not. I wouldn't say maybe. I mean, I am worried, but I, like, if this fight was a pick 'em, that's fine with me. Like yeah. that seems like it's in my head. It's a pick 'em. I generally mean like it seems like a pick 'em. I I 100% agree. Like I. I, I, I think Connor will win. But if I wasn't a Connor fan and I was putting money on this fight, I would 100% take Poirier at that price. I mean, it's just, they're just giving you free juice. It doesn't make any, it, it's, it's crazy. But I think it's an unbelievably close fight on paper. Dude, like, it, like, I feel like an actual line should have been like, I guess how it opened. Like that one, like would make sense. Like a, a McGregor minus one forty, Poirier plus one thirty, something like that. Like two. I I text. I don't know if I texted you. I texted somebody. Two blasphemous lines. I thought this week in the past week, the that Max only being minus one. Like he closed at minus one fifty, and Kater was plus one forty. Yeah, like, I don't know what Vegas has been on. I think there was like a y'all must have forgot element with. Uh, yeah, like Cater was like one of my friends texted me who who bet like gambled and he's like, "What what what are your thoughts on Cater like the underdog?" And I'm like, "There is no value with him at plus one forty. And this was before the fight. Like I thought Cater like could have done like I was interested to see, but I'm like, there is no way you should ever bet like Max has more way more value. Like two very odd lines. I mean, Joaquin Buckley was minus three hundred. That was, I mean, if Dude, you Connor is a minus head and say, what do you think the Holloway line is? I would have said, minus. I would have said two forty. I would have said something like that. Dude, it's like, interesting. what were your thoughts on Max stepping in as the replacement fighter? I don't, I don't think there's a chance. He took too a little too much damage, I think, to actually be able to do that. It's crazy how Max has already fought both of them, <laughs> like. Dude, like Max, early, the, early, early. The names like, on Max's resume are crazy. Like the people he's fought. And he, dude, what's crazy to me? He's 29 years old. I know. He's it's, 29. It's crazy. He's been fighting for so long. I was, uh, it's just funny to me that, and I've done it even to like Connor fans when they're like going through who he beat, like they always say Max. Like it was like Max is like, Super young, like twenty something year old, like early twenties. Max Holloway win, and like Connor fans, like it's so funny to use that now. Like when you list off his opponent, like I down the line, like Max moves up to one fifty five for a Connor rematch. Imagine Connor just like running like a docket of rematches: Holloway, Diaz, three, Holloway two. So in his interview with Hawani, I mean that's we can't want to talk about the Hawani interview. Hilarious, hilarious interview. He made it sound like he'd fight anyone. Dude, Connor, I like it. At the same time, I feel like, dude, Connor, let's have like a little, what's it like? 
um, situational awareness about who you are, where you are, and who you really should be fighting. Saying stuff like, I just want to fight Diego, give props. Dude, Diego Sanchez might be the bummiest fighter on the roster. Why would you ever want to fight him? And then when Hawani goes, my favorite part of the interview was Hawani goes like, like I was talking to Ally Kinta, and he says that um, Dustin's already beat, and Connor cuts him off and goes, I would like to fight Al. Mm-hmm. All right, like, I find Al funny. He's a real estate agent. I'm like, why would you want to – like, you're, like, not calling him out, but you're implying you want to fight Al Iaquinta. <laughs> like, like get have one some Connor standards. Al Iaquinta. <laughs> have some standards, Connor. Like, so what do you think the line would be in the Iaquinta-McGregor fight? <laughs> Connor should be, like, minus – people forget. Al Iaquinta lasted five rounds with Khabib on yeah. a week's notice. I have so much respect for Al Iaquinta. I hype up Al, like, when, like, when Al Iaquinta fights, I always think he should be the favorite simply because he lasted five rounds with Khabib, which no one does. Um, it was on, like, what, like, 36 hours notice, too. Yeah, Connor would be, like, minus 750 against Al Iaquinta. But think about it. Connor in that interview, what I did like was he's like, he, he does seem like he needs a mold where he even said, like, I know I'm not expecting a title shot. So he doesn't just want, like, a title shot or, like, trying to pick and choose. He does seem open, like, I just want to fight. My issue is you still need to have some standards that, like, think about it. In that interview, he essentially called out three people or mentioned three possible four. He mentioned Diaz and Khabib. Okay, makes sense. And then Al Iaquinta and Diego Sanchez were the four fights discussed in the interview. <laughs> How I does mean, that make sense? Like, it doesn't. It doesn't. I guess I never, like, what? Like, at, like say Tony or RDA or, like, those at least make sense. Gaethje. I mean, well, like, Gaethje makes, like, complete sense. I'm talking about, like, lower rank guys. Like, RDA you could just build as, like, the fight that you missed out on. That was your original foray up to lightweight to be the double champ. RDA is coming back. Like, that fight. I would like, like, that's like, granted, it's still kind of like, dang, like, you're still fighting lower guys, but like, I'm for that fight. An ally akin to fight makes no sense. Yeah. Like, Connor seems like he's in the small to like anyone that he at any point respected. He's like, yeah, I'll give you a fight. It's never going to happen. But, but dude, then what other things did he say in the interview? I, I, I yeah. like the mentality. I like, he sounds, it was the same thing as before Cerrone. Like, for the most part, like, he just, he sounds really good. I know some people love, like, the Khabib beef. I'm, as a Conor fan, over it. He lost. He got dominated. Would I see it again? Sure, even though that's a whole different loophole. But I didn't like the 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 racist, the the uh, attacking the religion, kind of stuff like that crossed the line for sure for me. And, and he's cooled on that a little. He's still – my favorite part, and I mentioned to you, appreciate, and then I want to hear your thoughts on his overall mentality was with when he was discussing Khabib, he would like alternate between like little barbs at him. Like always scared to fight me. He was never crowned the champ because the ceremony didn't happen. And then being like completely cordial being like, I wish him the best. Like I know he has family issues with his dad passing away. And it would just be this weird all like altering of like kind of like he couldn't resist and he hates the guy and also trying to be like a cordial, like mature, like old, like older fighter. The way I see it, for what Connor's doing is, I think Connor undoubtedly wants that fight. He wants that fight bad. Why wouldn't he? Like, I don't, obviously, he it's, does. A, it's a no risk, unbelievably high reward fight for him. 
for his legacy? Mm, uh, hmm. I wouldn't say no risk. to lose. Yeah. And then no, if he, I, I guess. he's in the GOAT conversation if he wins. I, I honestly believe that. Like, just for the impact he's had on the sport. I mean, I guess. Like, I, I wouldn't say it's no risk. Because, like, when you're a guy of Connor's level, every loss will come with some risk. Like, just – I know where you're saying it gets your thing from. I just think, like, absolutely no risk. Like, there would just be – because I guess that's more I'm thinking about just, like, the broad MMA fan base, which will just continually trash him. Yeah, I mean – It just makes me feel like I think Gaethje's so good, and it just – I love Connor to death, my favorite fighter ever, one of my favorite athletes ever. And I do think he was – in a terrible state of mind in the first one and was not prepared for that fight. I just think Khabib is either the best or the second best fighter of all time. And I, I just don't, I, I, no one except maybe Charles Levere's style actually, and Tony in his prime actually matches up with him. I think with what you were saying about like the way it seems like he's weird, how he's approaching it. Like he's trying to be nice, but he's also being cocky at the same time. Well, I think not- he's doing that because he knows, like, calling Khabib a rat and all that stuff, that's not going to get him this fight. And Khabib, has, he said on the, on the big announcement that he wants someone to show him something. And he's being respectful, I think, to try to get Khabib to fight him. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, don't, I personally don't think Khabib wants to do it, but I think money talks. <laughs> And shit walks. So I think he, I think at the end of the day, if Connor beats Poirier, it's gonna happen. Yeah, I, it's not. I think it's just he's changed. I think it goes back to like he was. I truly like in a dark time in his life before that Khabib fight. Like he's mentioned, like I think he was drinking too much, and he was just again in a bad state of mind. So that led to this really dark like build up to the fight. And I think it's changed now where he, he really doesn't like Khabib and they're just more like subtle barbs at him. And I guess what my say is Khabib will go for, but I do respect him that he, he can't let it fully go, but it, there is more of this like, it, like all the sound bites that got clipped were like, oh, he scurried away from me and that from this weekend. But if you really look at the full interview, that's just like the, the trash talk side. He did admit, like, I understand there's family reasons. He said multiple times, like, I wish him well. There's definitely this more mature and calm element. And this pre, pre the Floyd, like, when you, like, that there was that time post Alvarez up until Cerrone, where he was just kind of in this dark time, I'd say, and it was hard to be a fan of his. He seems a lot more like in past Connor, where he has a little trash talk, but like he, there's that quote. It's like he's um, confident in preparation, cocky in prediction, but humble always in victory or defeat. Like he kind of seems back to that mentality. Like he's a lot more respectful overall of, and I think that just comes with age though too. So mm-hmm. I, I respected that. I overall liked the Khabib element of it, like just enough to be like trying to goad him into a fight and keep that Connor will never abandon the brash cocky side but it's also not that dark buildup. I, I like there was some respect shown there and understanding of it um I mean I, I think there's a lot of guys in the UFC who are very good at when they talk 
you buy everything they sell and you, you immediately think higher of them than before they started talking. I think Masvidal is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. I think Izzy is a good example of that. Connor's just the absolute king of it. Like when he called himself Zippy, I was ready, yeah. to, I was ready to crap, give him the lightweight belt when he called himself Zippy. And he talked about Khabib and he's like, I fought Khabib at his best. He was at his best. I was at his worst. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking in my head, oh yeah, if he fought, if he fights Khabib again, he's going to, destroy Khabib like when every ounce of me before the interview thinks Connor would get smoked by Khabib again then Connor starts talking and all of a sudden I do a complete 180 he's magical at that he's unbelievable at that I wonder if it has effect on the guys he fights because it might oh I mean Connor I mean he's not Muhammad Ali levels I don't think anyone but in the UFC in its history and I always say, especially the build-up, if you look at the Jose Aldo fight, that was one of the greatest displays of, of true mental warfare like I've seen in combat sports history. It's the best. Which he, is crazy. It doesn't even speak English. All, all, all the build-up, the world tour, everything Connor did was with the purpose to, to poke at him and, and prod at him and get him to come out overly aggressive and off of his all those normal composed game plan, like it worked to perfection. It it is that especially the Dublin press conference. Like I will just randomly turn that press conference on because it is unreal to see what an effect he had on it. But it definitely does. I mean, the Poirier fight, the first one, like he would like Poirier hated him. He got you get. I mean, I think Shao Sonnen said best when you get people angry, they don't fight well, and I think. That's what Connor does pretty much with the trash talk all his career. I mean, like even people say with the Khabib fight, like he lost because Khabib's one of the greats. But what Connor did clearly worked. Like, look at the ending of that fight. Like, it's depressing that it, like what Connor did in a way. Like, it wasn't good the the like the connotation that he used and some of the stuff he said, but it worked. Like he got like Khabib saw red. So. But, like, it's interesting to me because the last two, like, I don't know if we'll ever, maybe if he fights Khabib again, but, like, if you look at it, like, the prime press conference Connor, like, talking shit, being on top of his game, I don't know if he does, like, think about Cerrone and Poirier, like, he hasn't done that. It's been, like, a little barb here and there, but just there's a lot more respect towards his opponents. Since the Khabib fight, he's been... Since it backfired in the Khabib fight, he's been unbelievably respectful to his last two opponents. I do think he also does truthfully like respect those guys. I think they're just all older. Like those are guys who he used to like exchange barbed with. Like he used to have a little bad blood, but as they've grown, he just respects them more and more. Like Poirier, I think he now respects like a lot more than he did back then. Same with Cerrone. I do wonder like okay, Khabib. I think will happen. Like let's say Connor fights Gaethje. That's that's where I think you'll see like the trash talking Connor come back. Mm-hmm. I think it's more opponent, but like Diaz, like I don't think we're going to see those prime like Diaz Connor interactions if they fight a third time. I think it's more just very specific to opponent. Maybe maybe it has to be an Ali fighter. Like I'm, I know it's unsafe, but like that's Gaethje. Like that just kind of seems what it is right now. Mm-hmm. I, I um, you said he was zippy. He looks great. He sounds great. He sounds confident. I'm. Back to like the line and why he's such a favorite. I'm sure that helps, like how good he looks. But like Poirier looks great too. I, I really think 
I, I have a hard time imagining either of these two getting knocked out. You know? No, I, I, I don't think the fight goes the distance. Dude, Dustin is fucking legit, dude. I mean, I thought it was interesting in the interview. I, I might have a hot take. Dustin at this stage, take, if you take away the Khabib fight, this is Connor. I guess that's stupid because he doesn't really fight that much. But probably since Diaz, too. I mean, that's, it's a stupid take because he doesn't fight enough. I was about to say, like, Dustin, like, I just realized he doesn't fight much. But the Cerrone, like, Dustin's harder than the Cerrone fight. I argue that this fight is harder than Alvarez to Connor in terms of matchup. But, like, Diaz was tough. Yeah, so that's a stupid thing I was about to say, but then you realize like that would be like two fights. But this is like this is I think in like this fight I think will be one of his hardest competitions he's faced. Like you'll look back at him like dang, like he beat that guy in his prime. You know what I mean? Like it's not just like the first one. It's I I don't think it's a fight where where Connor finished it in the first round. I think there's almost I wouldn't say no chance, but I this doesn't end in the first. I just I find that so hard to believe. I think it's 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 closer to a war type fight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's so funny to me that and that's my other big takeaway from all his interviews is he like had that little like just snippet. This is what I mean, where like he has like the little barbs, but like he doesn't really go all in on them. Like, oh, I'm gonna knock Dustin out in sixty, right? Mm-hmm. But he kind of says it with like a smile and not like the mystic Max seriousness. But then in every interview since, it's been no, I kind of want this to be a war. Like, I want to be in the cage which makes me think it just sounds to me and I, I might be overlooking it, but it just kind of sounds to me like, yeah, I made the 60 second prediction because that's what I always do. But in reality, I think this is going to be a war. So I got to start saying that's what I want. I genuinely believe just based off the two f- styles and the way this fight is going to go, where it's going to be vast majority of it's going to be on the feet. Yeah. I think this is a fight where come December, we could be talking fight of the year. I oh, think absolutely. Cause they're just going to be throwing. My only thing is, my only, like, as a Connor fan, one only thing that I guess makes me feel better. I mean, Poirier looked great against Hooker. I think Connor is better than Hooker. And, like, Hooker for two, three rounds looked really good against Poirier. I don't think Connor is better than Hooker. Connor is better than Hooker. He just. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, okay, yeah. Uh, he's a better version of Hooker, just a more powerful. Like, he's, Connor's one of the best boxers in the UFC. So I'm saying, I guess that's like my other thing is. I hold Poirier to this like really high standard, and I do think he's really good. But I think there is a point to be made if you go back to his last fight. There are holes in his game still, and like Dustin Hooker did exploit them. Like I'm trying, I haven't seen that fight in a while. Hooker wobbled Poirier, right? Like that. Fight- there, there is the argument that, that, you know, he took a ton of damage in that fight. I know it was a long time ago. He took a ton of damage in that fight. My thing is. Poirier, I think if I remember, I remember texting you specifically about it. There's, without a doubt, you can say that Poirier hooker fight, you can say Poirier survived some rounds. There was one in particular where I remember, like, the bell saved him. Yeah. Like, he was getting wailed on, but he thrives on that, and he's so experienced. And then the championship rounds, he was clearly more experienced fighter. That, mm-hmm. That's my issue with, I think, my biggest worry is, to this day, like, Connor just, like, Championship rounds scare me with Connor because he does, he, like, he's done so much, but he gasses. And you also, he hasn't been in the championship rounds in years. And Poirier has been. And Poirier, is, I think, would be, like, let's say the fight is super close going to, like, the fourth and fifth. I'd be nervous as a Connor fan. 
Like, I don't don't think that's where he wants to be. Dude, I don't know. I'm so excited. I it think it's one of those on me. where if Connor can, like, win the first, like, three, three rounds, I'm not really worried about Poirier knocking him out. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. It's just also, I think we talked about with the Cerrone fight, it's kind of frustrating as, like, a true, like, MMA fan to see, like, Poirier getting no love or no attention in the promos because that's not really going to bring people in. But mm-hmm. just it makes you further feel like, oh, people are just, like, not counting this guy out. I felt the same way with Cerrone. Like, everything was just about Connor, 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 and it just makes you feel like everyone's counting him out. It just feels like... Well, I mean, besides Dustin's mom... His, his siblings and his best friend, no one's buying the pay-per-view to watch Dustin. Okay, that's me. That was, but uh, that's just the fact of the matter. No, I, I mean, it's, it's like that thing is people who love Conor McGregor are buying it and people who hate Conor McGregor are probably even more likely to buy it because they want to see him lose. Um, dude, I don't know. I just, I, I do think like, it's the betting lines, the promos, the attention. It's also just frustrating because like Dana's talking I hate when people look ahead, like any sports team. And even in the Cerrone fight, I didn't think they were looking ahead as much as like Dana did. Like Connor talked about his season, but that was just like, oh, I want three fights in place. Like Dana's talking about like, oh, if he wins this, like he'll be doing this and this. And like, oh, he could be looking at a title shot. Like Dana, Dana's quote that really frustrated me and like worried about the jinx was, he's like, oh, if, Con- if Connor were to win, like I see him fighting for the belt and then defending it. Like, how about we get through Dustin Poirier first, please? You know what I mean? Like, I hate that. It does seem like there's a lot of looking past Poirier from Dana's standpoint. Like, one. Dana Klaus is rooting for one guy in particular. Well, of course. <laughs> but, like, he, like, he'll talk about, like, what's next for Connor and be like, of course, if he beats Poirier. Like, after he goes on a huge yeah, yeah. man about uh, Khabib and all that stuff. I think, I think it's simple for Connor. If Connor, Connor wins, his next fight is for the belt, whether it's against Khabib or whoever. Or Gaethje or Charles. Hopefully not Charles. That would stink. And then, I mean, if he loses, I think it's Nate. Nate's coming down to well, – we haven't even talked about that. Is this a real – Nate's coming down to 155, and he said it's not Tony. Who do you think it is? I think it's Connor. <laughs> no, 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 no. Dana says he's working on it. A, a, who, a, a, RDA? Gaethje? I think it might be Gaethje or RDA. Those are the only things that make sense. Or it's, it should be Tony. Let's see, it should be Tony, but they didn't like quash that really quickly. Because like when you sign Nate, you're not signing Nate for anything other than a pay-per-view main event. Mostly. Yeah, it could be Gaethje. I, I, I mean, that's a, I would love that as a fight. Nate RDA is not coming yeah, yeah, yeah. a pay-per-view. Eh, I, I, no, it's not. I do think it's interesting. Like I remember the build up back to Connor at my one point, and then we can move on to some other topics was a lot of like, I remember the build up for Cerrone was very much like he's at a crossroads and it's true. Cause like, if he loses this to Cerrone, that is, it's like, okay, like where does he go from here? Like he might clearly be watched. Obviously he didn't answer those, but then I feel like we're kind of back at the same point. And I mean that like, if he loses to Poirier, you're like, is he really a, a, a top contender at lightweight? Like, I don't the know. The thing like, with Connor be, is, even if he's not contending for the belt, 
trilogy. Yeah, I know, but then I there's feel like... There's always fights for Connor. There's yeah. always fights. I'm not saying there isn't. I just feel like if he loses to Poirier, he's kind of at that crossroads of like, is he still going to be a true contender in the UFC or is he just going to be like, like pay-per-view fights, but maybe just with like this, like not Cerrone-esque, but like just there's no real consequences of them. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Like a loss here would really hurt. Like I... Uh, obviously, every fight is a must-win, but like, certainly one would have been worse. But like, he need—I think he gotta win this one, because like, if he loses one, like, and like, let's say he loses, and Poirier looks great, like, there's a legitimate case, but it just hurts his standing, like his like legacy, in my opinion. Yeah, like a, a lot, as you said, loss to Khabib doesn't really hurt his legacy too much. It just reaffirms Khabib's. I don't know. It just—I feel like this is more of a crossroads fight than people are saying too. It's also weird to me, like he's talking about like fighting in the UFC so much. And then he's just like, and a Manny fight's going to happen too. Like, I think if he loses, the Manny fight becomes a lot more likely. Like where does a Manny fight come in? Even like he's t- like confident about winning this and fighting multiple times. Like he said that in the UFC wants to fight like three times, mm-hmm. but then a Manny fight's going to happen at the end of the year. Like where is this Manny fight coming in from? Um, Do you think there's a world because obviously with Khabib's decision, he said, I want to see if, if, the co-main or the main, someone does something crazy. So let's say there's a world where Michael Chandler looks like God's gift to the earth and just wow. I, I think that was Dana spinning like the. I think it was too, but there's a world where Khabib could be like, "I want to fight Chandler," yeah. and there's nothing Dana can do about that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, because Khabib's a big draw still. Chandler wins and Chandler does something crazy. And Khabib wants to fight Chandler. Yeah, but why would Khabib want to fight Chandler for his last fight? I don't know, dude. That Khabib thing was oh, great promoting by Dana. Shows why he's one of the best. He got everyone intrigued. And it was really just the same old, same old. It's like kind of this, like, Khabib is still retired, but, like, there's an outside chance that he wants to fight. If Connor wins, I don't think he, he might. Because, like, my thing with Khabib, like, if you're Khabib, why not get paid millions to come in, fight a guy you don't like, and in his mind, just beat him pretty easily again? I think if Connor can have an incredible performance against Poirier and then remind everyone how good he is, the Khabib buildup and, and fight would just be the biggest in UFC history by a landslide. I honestly believe that. How does Connor beat Khabib a second time? How does it happen? Connects. He connects. Didn't Gaethje connect, though? Gaethje connected a couple of times. And Gaethje nothing happened. Connect clean and crisp. Dude. I don't know. It's how does anyone beat Khabib, man? <laughs> I don't think you do. I think the only way Khabib loses is if he goes up and fights like Usman. You got you got to land a phantom shot. On. You got to like that's like a fight that I, no one's talking about but happening. But that, that that's the one that I would love to see is Khabib moves up to one seventy and like tries to be a double champ and then he retires. I mean that fight could break the UFC pay per view record because I think every wrestling coach in the country would would uh, would order the pay per view. <laughs> Every wrestling coach in the world would be all over that fight. Yeah, I don't think it would break the record. I think it would be that would be really intriguing. Of course, I mean, of course, it wouldn't break the record. But. I don't know if Dana would ever do that. That's the issue with Dana. It, like, if he do, he like, I don't think Khabib can move up if that's his last fight. Because let's say he wins, then you're at, you have two vacant belts again. Like, what do you do there? I guess you could you could do. There's fights to be made. I don't know. If it, yeah, my only take on the Khabib announcement was a whole bunch of nothing. Like, I don't think anything's really changed. I think that was Dana didn't get an answer. I like. 
it's just annoying when they know, and I love it. It's like, it's a yes or no answer. Like I'm going in, it's a yes or no question and that's it. And then he comes out, it's like, and it was just a maybe. Like that wasn't yes or yeah. no. Um, it's just so funny to me that like, Cejudo got stripped of his belt like days after he announced his retirement. Could be does the same thing in Danish because one's a pay-per-view draw and one isn't. Um, you want to do predictions? We'll do predictions. I'm trying to think. You mentioned, we t- talked about Nate. It's so funny to me. There's a Wednesday fight that I could care less about just because I'm so focused on Connor. I'll watch it, but it's not yeah. Kazmat Leon. Yeah. It's depressing to think that it's supposed to be Kazmat Leon. Yeah. yeah. Really- Let's do our predictions, though. That is depressing. My thing is just my one last one I mentioned earlier is I don't know if you feel this Connor fight, like, it snuck up on me. Like, the Cerrone, it felt like I was counting down the days. And this one is just like, because it came together so quickly and it's just. I don't know. There's guess more happening. Like it just doesn't feel like it's a Connor fight week. Like it does, but it doesn't at the same time. That's just maybe me. Like I feel like Saturday is going to be here before I know it. I'm going to be like, oof, dude. Saturday I'm going to be a butt. It sucks, dude. Ten. I always think that, but then the embedded start coming out, and I start just waiting for embedded all day. Midnight. I fucking hate that, dude. I'm going to be twelve hours of waiting. You legit do nothing but just wait nervously for hours it's a it's it's scary and and as we said this is one thing we could talk about we as a podcast don't understand why dana puts no talent on connor's cards it's a great opportunity to showcase up-and-coming talent and he just he knows oh i don't need i don't need to throw anything on here because it doesn't affect the pay-per-view so he doesn't add the the young talent. I guess he had Amanda Reboss. She Dana loves her, but the, 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 I like Reboss. She's kind of my thing is the top two because Hooker Chandler's really it's it a, is a it is a it's huge like if you look at Cerrone Connor that that coming was home versus um see I don't even remember it was home versus someone in the most boring fight like there there wasn't much so. At least this one, we have a great co-mate and a couple of young talent. But I, I just, the only two fights the are, are the man and the co-mate. I guess I, I guess our point is it doesn't have to be names. Like I understand saving the some legit names for main cards of other pay-per-views that would need more buys or whatnot. But like you can put guys, put some like young talent on these cards that like maybe aren't a name and like showcase some risers and like i get it but like jessica i like calderwood like oh my god exactly you don't need names we do not need names we just need up-and-coming talent that you think could be special while the sport has all the eyes in the world it's like it's kind of like putting this is a specific number it's like putting guys like before this year putting guys like sugar or um Bryce Mitchell, Buckley. Yeah, stuff like that. On uh, like, I Reboss, I guess is what they're doing. But like, the main is, have they announced the uh, prelims? Like Jessica Ingram, Calderwood, Matt Favola, um, yeah, like nothing is just very much grabbing the attention right now. Like, again, just put young talent on there and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm, it's happened before. Like Derek Lewis was on the undercard of McGregor Khabib, and that kind of rocketed his thing up with his, oh, my balls was hot and all that. Like, 
Connor attracts attention. So I, I guess your point is you, I understand saving him for like saving other people for the uh, names that need it. But you don't have to stack them up with just some randos. I mean, come on now. The only thing I was Khabib's cousin was supposed to be fighting on this card, and that didn't end up happening. I think he's fighting on Wednesday. I think he got moved. I don't know why. That would have been, that would have been electric. Uh, <laughs> Connor just comes out and starts like rooting for the other guy. Yeah, he's like has his arm crossed, just watching. Khabib's on Fight Island. He's there. Yeah. That that could that could be something. Like, anyway, let's say before you, if Connor wins, what's what's the call out? Because against oh, Cerrone, the call out was one hundred percent. The call out was I'll fight anybody, which is kind of the mentality that he's stuck with, um, like the past year. It's kind of like I'll fight anyone. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that. If Connor wins, he's calling out Khabib. I think almost guaranteed. Yeah. Anyway. Dan Hooker prediction. I want your predictions for the co-main and then the main. So Hooker, I like Hooker. I don't know if you heard, but they asked Hooker about the press conference. He's like, I don't know. With Connor, you always got to be on your toes. You don't want to get who the fuck is that guy. And I, I thought that was hilarious. Dude, Hooker, I think we mentioned this on an old pod. Hooker's like an underrated trash talker. It's just like no <laughs> one. I remember I used to just be like, Dan Hooker, like really? And like in a big fight, so no, but like the guy is funny. Like his, he, he's a funny guy. I think in this press conference, I think Chandler is going to try to be like too cool because he's new to the UFC. Yeah. I think Hooker is going to demolish him in the press conference, even though it'll be very little on them. Anyway, my Dude, pick. I, I hate Michael. This podcast has an un, unrational hate for Michael Chandler. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm about to say. I like Hooker. I hate Chandler. He's annoying. He thinks he's the greatest. He wouldn't fight Tony, which backfired immensely on Tony. But I think he's going to be Dan Hooker. Dan, I think he I mean, wins. We talked about the damage thing. Like Dan Hooker took a ton, ton of damage against Poirier. And it, my thing is like Chandler's wrestling, from what I've seen, is really good. I will give him that. So like, I don't know if Hooker matches up well. And in my limited time of like a big name coming over from a different promotion to the UFC, I feel like they always win their first one. You had. You had a uh, Askren one against Lawler in that wild fight. Um, who shit? Oh, you, Jerry like Prajaka or whatever his name is. Yeah, like, that, yeah, was, that was an electric fight. Sick knockout. Like I feel like they always like end up winning, and then they lose their next one. But yeah, I'm I, I, I am going with Chandler as well. You know what the line in on that is on that one? Chandler's a dog. Is he really? Believe Hooker is like minus one thirty. Interesting. I mean, I'm not surprised. Like Dan Hooker is underrated. I think. Me too. Like, he's not – again, like, you look at the tiers. Like, I think he's a tier below the top guys, but I think he's still, like, a damn good fighter who beats most of the guys behind him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I, I, I'm going with Chandler, too. I'm going to go Chandler by decision. That's what I took as well. And then – And now – Yeah, Hooker's minus 140. Oh, Chandler's – Chandler's minus 110. That's not great. They opened at Hooker minus 160, Chandler plus 140. All right. Conor McGregor. I really don't want to make a prediction. I have a weird thing where I feel like when I make predictions, I always jinx it. I'm very superstitious. 
I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make my prediction. Yeah, make your prediction. I think. I think Connor wins via third round knockout in a dominating fashion. I'm looking I, before I get my thing. I'm looking. I'm looking at my. I looked up like Michael Chandler, like his like betting history, and like it shows like these charts of like when he opened. I'm not familiar with Bellator, but somehow Michael Chandler opened as a plus 280 underdog. The other guy was fighting was minus 400 and closed at minus 650. What? Who, do you, who is he fighting? I don't know. Look, I, it didn't say – I don't think it said – like it's not making it seem like the guy changed. Look at this. A minus 219% drop. He probably – the dude probably got hurt or something. That, that that doesn't make any sense. Let's, yeah, I'm I'm need to investigate after the show. <laughs> isn't that isn't that one of the craziest things that you see? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so Connor third round knockout, call out a Khabib. I hope so. Connor, <laughs> sign me up for that. Connor, that would be Connor's first knockout post two rounds, I believe, in his UFC career. Fun fact. He's, everybody right. he's knocked out has been within two. Chad Mendez was second round, right? Yeah. Chad Mendez was second. Aldo was first. Um, Eddie was... Eddie was second. Diaz was a decision. Obviously, lost to Khabib. Khabib lost to Diaz the first one. Um, I don't remember. if I think Seaver was second. I think it was... I think it was, was first. Holloway was a decision. Um, I'm trying to remember his Brimage fight. That was his first. I think that was a first. Let's go. Let's go look. Yeah, Seaver was second. That would be his first past the two rounds. No, I know that. I just don't know the specific ones. Dude, I really, I, 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 to be completely honest, I'm procrastinating my, uh, my, my decision. I know I said it wouldn't be in the first round, but I think it could be in the first round. No, 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 no. Dude, you, this is what I mean. You're discounting Dustin Poirier. I know. I, I'm talking myself in con. It's, it's, it's not good. I, bet, I, I do think he'll win. He's zippy. He's zippy, dude. When he said that. Um, Brando was TKO in the first. Brimage was a TKO in the first. Has he ever had a in his career, has he ever had a knockout past? No. He has never had a knockout past three in his career. I mean, past two in his career. Connor. Yeah. yeah. Look at Sherdog. Never in his career. I thought it was just UFC. I didn't realize it was a career. Like, back to, like, Cage Warriors. Um, okay. My prediction. Can I refrain from giving a prediction? No. If you think you're going to jinx it, take Poirier. Yeah, but then, like, I feel like the jinx gods will know that I'm trying to one-up them, and that shouldn't count. You know what I mean? But that's how I think. I know it's bad. Like, that's genuinely how I think. I'm like, okay, if I pick the other guy, but I don't really think. I'll go, uh, uh, I'll go Connor by decision. I don't think either of them get knocked out. Uh, I'm going to go Connor by decision. All right. Got it. So annoying. Ugh.
can't be. I'm nervous as a kind of fan. Like this is like this is what I mean for like for Poirier. Like this is kind of like the for Poirier, if I'm Poirier, like you have to be feeling good. You know what I mean? Like this is like the ultimate reward and you definitely there's definitely some hurt if you lose, but like overall you have I feel like Poirier has a lot more to gain than Connor does. There's also the factor that this is the biggest fight of his life. He could try to do a little too much. Well, I would say that still to I think the biggest fight of his life was Khabib because that was for the belt. That, I, I think anytime you're fighting for the belt, that's the biggest fight of your life. I I mean I guess, but that's just me. My question is, let's say Poirier wins the, uh, the last fight. Let's say Poirier wins. Do you think there's a third? A trilogy? Yeah. They, do you yeah, think that I, would that would be like all of a sudden come out and be a, a trilogy? I mean, it's that's like something like you have to think of that. Like it's kind of it's possible. I don't think I don't think it'll be Poirier's next fight, but I think if Poirier gets the belt for sure. I really, I really. All complete bias. I just really hope Connor can get it done. It's funny because I felt the same way for Cerrone. It's just like I feel like as though when you kind of get like when like so when I was younger, I just like didn't have this full knowledge. I was just so like like you just kind of I didn't know the buildup and I didn't know all the other fighters when I was in middle and high school as well. But now it's like I feel like all my guys there's just like this pervasive of like unease going into every fight. This is a Conor McGregor podcast. We both unshamedly want Conor McGregor to win. Yes. And I mean, it's good for the sport, I'd say. It's good for everything, including our mental health for Conor McGregor to win. Dude. I need it. I need it. Sports have been rough. Sports have been rough as of late. I I believe for you too. We need a dub. Although, Max Holloway, your guy, won a rare a rare anonymous Tony Ferguson fan fighter winning and breaking the curse. Yeah. Should I change my name to the anonymous Conor McGregor fan or is that a... <laughs> um, it's like, there's a curse in my mind, but there's a good thing. Like every fighter who's gone on Conan before like their next fight lost. Conor went on before Diaz. Rousey went on before Holly Holm. Conor went on before Diaz won. Diaz went on before Conor Diaz two. DC went on before the either the Jones rematch or the Stipe rematch. Like there's like every fighter who's gone on Conan has lost. So that we have our own little curse too, but maybe it's been broken. So let me just say this for Tony's fight against Oliveira. I was just reading up to the whole fight week. I was just nervous. Yeah. That's for this fight, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. Oh, I'm, I'm nervous. The last time I actually like, it's weird. Like when Bryce fought Andre, like Philly, like I don't, I was surprised. I'm not that nervous about it. But, like, when Sugar was fighting Cheeto, I was nervous. Like, I, we always do that thing where we kind of, like, bracket our, like, current fighters into tiers in a way. There are fighters, like, I like that tier. Like, the top tier is, like, the fighters who make you nervous. Like, going into their fight. Like, you're nervous. Like, you, you, you're nervous about the win. Yeah. But, like, I guess that's something with all sorts. Like, I get nervous for playoff games. I get nervous for a bunch. Um, I just don't know what Dustin has that can really. It's a good matchup. Like this is like it should be stand up. That's what Connor thrives at. I just think Dustin's really good too. So we'll see. I'm excited, and I'm interested to see what happens next, regardless, win or lose. 
there's a lot of options. Hopefully he stays active, but we'll be back early next week, recapping what hopefully is a eventful and positive UFC 257, Poirier McGregor, Chandler Hooker. More news I'm sure will drop in the next week as it always does. But until then, thanks for listening. Follow us at 610 Podcast on Twitter. Uh, We are on all streaming platforms. But again, uh, we'll see you guys next week.